1: Both have ADHD, I guess. This yes, I've heard rumors. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know about you. I have I have this one symptom of ADHD.
0: I don't know if you have this as well. Time blindness. Do you have this? Oh yeah, yeah. I've never been able to predict how long anything is going to take.
1: Yeah, and also just like losing track of time. I've I've been working on stuff sometimes where I'll be like, all right, this will take me like twenty minutes, and then four hours will go by and it doesn't even feel like four hours to me. It'll feel like it's 20 minutes. So in the future, I'll be like, yeah, that took me
0: 20 minutes, even though it took me four hours. I got the time blindness in the other direction, which is like, oh yeah, uh, if I like, if I have to like go for like a walk, like if I have to go around the corner 10 minutes to pick up some milk and I have to like (laughs) walk all that distance without any form of stimulation, it'll feel like torture. Like 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 an hour long bus ride without like a podcast or something. Thing will like? Oh yeah! I will actually feel like it's like the worst experience ever because like, be that you'll feel like it takes like sixteen hours just because I don't have anything to do.
1: I also so that happens to me too sometimes, especially when I'm like doing just household chores. I'm just like, I need headphones in. I need to be listening to something just to just to make me
0: feel just to make me feel something, Tristan. I need to feel something. Yeah. During this time, oh, there's probably some people right now who are doing housework and listening to. Oh, that's true. Us right now. <laughs> So, um, Jeremy, you should be doing the dishes right now. Um, Jeremy,
1: do the dishes krista do do, walk the dog but uh did you know that missing time missing gaps of time is also a a, a common feature of uh people being abducted by
0: aliens i know that it's a common feature of my bachelor party but uh yeah i guess it could be um
1: yeah i guess it could could be i guess it could be were there aliens at your at your your bachelor party couldn't i wasn't invited by the way this was before we met.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't tell you. Do you think ADHD people get abducted by aliens every day when we lose track of time? That would make it a lot. Like there's, you know how like the internet is full of people who want to tell us that ADHD doesn't exist? Yeah. Uh, Maybe one of the people should be like, oh, the time blindness is you're getting abducted like multiple times. That's aliens. Every time that you are, um, every time that you get a good run on Hades going, that's aliens. Or any time that you have to do the dishes and it takes like 16 hours, that's also aliens. Look, what's more believable that your brain has some sort of dopamine
1: deficiency or that aliens exist and are just messing with you on a daily basis think about
0: it as we've learned people tend to not think uh the the question which is more likely doesn't seem to come up very much (laughs) it's true but i figured this would be a good jumping off point
1: uh to talk about alien abduction stories in the first the
0: first people who it ever happened to uh, but before we get into that, this is a podcast. My uh, This is a podcast called It's Probably Not Aliens, where we talk about ancient astronaut claims, pseudo history, pseudo archaeology. My name's Scott Peniswander, and I know nothing hey. about what's going on.
1: Hey, that's not my name, and it's not yours either. <laughs> We're switching up the roles today, folks. We're yeah. switching it up. Usually I'm the one who knows nothing and Tristan is the one who knows some things and uh now it's switched up. I've I've taken the reins of this podcast. I've done the research of this of this fun topic and my name is Scott Nicewander I know everything
0: I, I, I know, know everything all. now I've done it all I, I know it all everything's in my head my name is Tristan and I know nothing said the thing that I said I know I, I what's it called I, uh, Buddhism Zen I, my head is is empty like a newborn to enter well, in fantastic. your wisdom well let me let me ask you this then
1: what would you say are the typical sort of staples of classic abduction? stories. Like if you just had to imagine an abduction, an alien abduction story, what would be like
0: the elements in there that are pretty common. Okay, let's see. So first, you're usually in a car, um, somewhere where you don't have a strong alibi and probably in a place where there wouldn't be other people to verify that you were there. So like, uh-huh, a yeah, car uh-huh. in the country at night, then uh, usually something goes wrong, like the radio cuts out or the car breaks down or something like that, and then you see something in the sky and a tractor beam comes down and all of a sudden, t- or, or actually, sometimes you don't even see that you just wake up and all of a sudden like six hours have passed and you don't know what's going on and then like 20 years later after getting uh, recovered memory hypnosis or something like that you realize that in that like four hours between your 12 shots of whiskey and waking up in a car uh, Uh you actually were uh, abducted by aliens that look exactly like the ones that you recently saw on TV and um, (laughs) Uh what a coincidence and they do all sorts of, of bad things to you that you also probably saw on tv yeah
1: you you that's basically it I, th- I feel like everyone has this sort of idea of what uh an alien abduction story is it's got all those it's got all those classic elements you need a theremin for this Woo oh. Oh, one day I'll get my soundboard
0: up and running so I can throw in some stuff at it's you. It's a rite of passage for all podcasts. There is the day it's when true. the soundboard <laughs> arrives. And then it goes through, there's sort of like a, there's sort of like a, what's it called, cycle, like a, a hype cycle about it. So like it goes into, you know, oh, that's too much we sound effects. We do it effects. a lot. And then it yeah. goes
1: down. <laughs> then it, you and undercorrect. everyone complains about it. And they're yeah. just like, can you
0: stop with the sound effects? And it's like, okay. And then we're back to, even though it's plugged in, we barely use it. You might think it's wrong, but it is uh, part of the natural life cycle of all podcasts it's sort of like yeah. podcast puberty is when nature um, is healing yeah when you get your when you get your soundboard when you get a soundboard
1: um what i find really interesting about these uh, the, the alien abduction story though is it has this sort of mythology around it and these like staples but it is uh we can trace it back pretty easily to exactly one couple one Ooh. group of people one two people that this that this happened to and that feels Very rare in, like, myths and lore to be able to be like, this is... The exact date when this story, when all of these ideas started springing into pop culture. And because, I don't know if you know this, this is a real, alien abduction stories are relatively new in, you know, history. There were other types of alien encounters. Normally they would be like hostile invasions. We've talked about like War of the Worlds on this podcast. Mm -hmm. There was, you know, hostile invasions. There was like enlightened friendly contact where like aliens would come down to someone and like like, tell them something about the world or or the universe. But being abducted, especially, like, sort of ambivalent scientific abductions where, like, the aliens don't see you as beings, like, invasions and, like you know friendly contact that's like the aliens seeing you as other beings that they would be like all right we're going to either take control of them or we're going to try and befriend them and like enlighten them and something uh but these sort of abduction stories are usually like very ambivalent scientific abductions where the aliens are treating you as just like you know animals yeah they're they're wanting to do like some sort of experimentation on you take you into their ship do something weird to your body put you back down on on Earth. That is a very new, a relatively new concept. I said, not very new. This all happened 80 years ago. But it's weird that we can trace it back to specifically 80 80 years ago. Almost exactly. Um, wild. Wild stuff. And it all happened because of a, a husband and wife duo in 1961. Well oh, a power and, couple. Uh, a power couple,
0: indeed. You say 1961? 1961. Uh, you said 80 years ago? That's, that's 60, 60 years. 60 years ago.
1: Yeah. 60 years ago. You're right. It was 60 years ago. So this was 1961. Uh, we're going to discuss their story and also the sort of response by the media and pop culture, and also, obviously, some problems with their stories' credibility and other possible explanations outside of Aliens. I'm sorry, it's just sort of what we do here, is debunk stuff. If There's we can. problems At least, with their story? I know, you wouldn't think there would be.
0: Um, but first, let's go ahead and meet Betty and Barney Hill. Betty and Barney is a pretty, like, that's a ni- that's the name of a 1960s couple if I've ever heard one. Absolutely. Wait, isn't that literally, hey, Bon, like, it's Barney and Betty Rubble. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so the Rubble, so so um, what's it called? And their the child, Rubbles. Bam Bam. Um, <laughs> that's true. Yep, yep, yep. It's in the back seat. They don't talk about Bam Bam. The aliens didn't release Bam Bam. The aliens did not release Bam Bam. Uh, Bam Bam's still flying around with... Uh, um, what was the name of that Martian? The Great Gazoo. From yeah, there you go. <laughs> The
1: Great Gazoo. <laughs> oh, boy. Before we get started, I do just want to shout out to... I want to shout out to another podcast, Imaginary Worlds, who did a fantastic episode about this as well. I'm so Go check them out. They're great. But anyway, Bar- Betty and Barney... And Bam I Bam. almost said Rubble. I almost said <laughs> Betty Rubble. Betty and Barney Rubble. <laughs> Betty and Barney Hill uh let me take you back let me take you back in time so they had been married for just over a little over a year at Mm -hmm. this point uh but they hadn't really taken their honeymoon yet their jobs kept them really busy and any free time they had went into efforts to prop up the civil rights movement takes a lot of work to lift rocks with brontosauruses at the quarry
0: (laughs) it's true (laughs) sorry i I gotta let that bit go (laughs) no
1: you're good you're good well you see Unlike the Flintstones characters, Betty was
0: white, but Barney was black. Spicy thing to be in the early 60s, that's for sure.
1: Exactly, exactly. Now, the, the, the only reason I bring that up is because it does become important later on in this story. But so 16 months into their marriage... They finally had enough time and money uh to you know take a small little weekend road trip through Montreal and Niagara Falls. How's hey. Montreal? I don't
0: I don't know that one. Is it good there? Is that a good place to take a honeymoon? Oh yeah. Beautiful city, wonderful place. I what's it called? I love I love Montreal. I've been there several times, go to the Marché Saint-Talon. Yeah, I like great times. Uh if it went in the wintertime, it's I took I took my wife to Montreal once and it was negative thirty-six or something like that, which is almost the exact exact same temperature in Fahrenheit. So it's like, oh God. Oh
1: goodness. Oh
0: yeah. Cold over there in Quebec.
1: That's cold. That's cold. I believe this would have been in September. Oh, wait, we were flying around, so less wintertime. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was beautiful. I mean, they they. I mean, a, a part of the reason they went too. I mean, like so, some of the stuff they did there is just just like taking in the scenery, right? Um, Barney packed some binoculars so they could see everything up close, see all the you know the trees, the birds. He was also a plane watcher, which I didn't realize was a thing that you could be. He was just a plane watcher. It's like bird watching, but the metal birds, the metal birds in the sky. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. I mean, he was a part of the. You know, he was a he was a world war ii vet so i think he was just interested in in aircraft and things like that yeah but so as they were you know their honeymoon was nothing exceptional you know the honeymoon itself was fine it was a good honeymoon it was the trip back from the honeymoon back to where they lived. It always is that, yeah. It's always a trip back. That is the trip that changed everything. So, it was hurricane season, right? Yes. And there was a, a Category 5 hurricane, Esther, uh, was headed their way. Uh-oh. Yeah. And they also left on this trip, this honeymoon, very spontaneously on, like, a weekend. They didn't, you know, they couldn't go to the bank to get any money, so they only had the cash they had on hand. They couldn't afford another night at a motel, and they they really wanted to beat the storm home anyway. So there's lots of reasons why they were they were they were driving all throughout the middle of the night, right? They couldn't stay anywhere. They wanted to beat the storm. They decided to drive from Vermont to their home in New Hampshire all
0: the way through the night, arriving sometime around 3 AM. Oh, now I see where this is going because I believe in a previous episode we established that um Connecticut is the dark place of of Hades where no one dares to tread. So this problem. Probably in Connecticut.
1: Probably, we'll see. But uh, so they settled on their plan, and the two of them just drove in the dark. They were the only vehicle on the road. Sort of as you were saying earlier, they're in a car driving in the dark. No where there one else could not around. Be any possible alibis
0: or witnesses? No. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. They're the. It's so late at night slash early in the morning. No one else was around. But they did notice something cutting through. That darkness that they were driving through. So at first they thought it was like a, a mysterious bright light. It was it was it was the, it was a mysterious bright light, but they thought it was a shooting star. But then it, it just it kept lasting for too long. So again, Barney, a World War II vet, kn- he knew it wasn't a plane, but he figured it could maybe be some sort of satellite that got off course. But it just the light just kept getting bigger and brighter. And as we've seen a lot in these sort of ancient or not not even ancient aliens, but as we've seen a lot in like UFO stories, the the light in the sky wasn't following a straight path it was like zigzagging around really fast going between, you know, all over the terrain, through the mountains, through the trees. It was just, it didn't seem like it was physically possible for something to to take the path that it was taking. You know, we've seen this a lot. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't, the, the couple just couldn't believe their eyes. So they pulled over their car onto the side of the road and Barney pulled out those binoculars that he packed to try and get How a closer convenient. look. How convenient. To try and get a closer look at the,
0: at the light now what he saw through the binoculars was that this light looking at a glowing object in the middle of the night with binoculars yeah what he was very yep. able clearly to see mm-hmm probably really drowsy because <laughs> it's yeah. you know yeah so according to him
1: it was an object a circular sort of object rapidly spinning through the air and it made no sound so you'd think all right a, a rapidly spinning thing in the air sort of sounds like, it could be a helicopter maybe those you know the, the blades the fan blades they sort of spin around, but it didn't really make a sound. It was too quiet to be a helicopter. And the object was also just flat and round. You might describe it as a flying saucer? Oh. Perhaps? Like the tea things, like the tea plate. Like the tea plate, but in, but up, but up in the sky.
0: Oh, God, filled with milk for a, the world's most large cat.
1: Did you? I don't know if this is true. Did you hear the thing that like saucers were meant, you're supposed to pour your tea on the
0: saucer to cool it down and then you lap it up? I, I, I didn't like a, hear it. Like a dog? I didn't hear it like that. I did hear that you did that, but I did not know that you were supposed to drink out of the saucer i thought that like you kind of poured it in as a way to cool it down for some with mechanisms that i don't understand but um i guess because it's more surface area right so you pour it onto the saucer
1: and then it can cool down because more air is touching it
0: yeah yeah, that makes sense and
1: then you just but then i just i think you're supposed to drink it from the saucer and then I just can't stop imagining like um, like the founding fathers just drinking their tea in like important meetings, like
0: lapping it up with their tongues, like a like animals. Well, luckily for you, the founding fathers were most definitely not drinking tea. They were um, they were drinking an extremely potent punch made of like whiskey and cider. That's true. They dumped all the tea somewhere else and
1: protest. Um, That's true Famously So Also through these binoculars Barney saw That there were beings Inside of this aircraft. He saw a lot with these binoculars. They were good binoculars. He saw not only what it was, but he was like, he told those binoculars enhance and they was zoomed in even further. They're like binoculars on Star Wars That's where they can wild. just keep going. Saw, he saw beings in them. Now we're going to get to this later, but could you, just out of curiosity, could what do you think
0: these beings looked like? My guess is that they were slightly shorter than humans. They were spindly, like skinny with big heads, big black, eyes and okay. gray skin that your typical gray i feel like is if this is the origin of all ufo abduction narratives then i feel like they would go for the uh the gray but the gray is kind of a recent phenomenon too so maybe it's going to be like sexy Ven- venice or sexy aliens from venus or something yeah.
1: I, we're gonna get to this later but i and I'll, I'll tell you exactly what they saw but i'll tell you one detail that i want you to keep in your head just because it's fun um they were wearing that all of them were wearing baseball
0: caps, all the right? The aliens? The aliens were wearing baseball caps. Interesting. They had just come from a Yankees game.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> They were just partying it up. So I'll tell you more about (laughs) what they looked like, but that is the funnest detail to me. So everything I'm about to describe that the aliens did, uh, just imagine they all did it in baseball caps. All right. That's important. Interrupted an alien frat party. (laughs) Uh So as they were looking at all of these, they were looking at the beings, they were looking at the spacecraft. Suddenly, just moments later, the couple lost consciousness. Oh, you don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't want to do that. That's never a good sign. And then, when they woke up, they were 35 miles away from their parked car, and two hours had passed, with neither Betty nor Barney initially remembering anything that happened after they passed out. I say initially because once the two got back to their house and their lives started to go back to normal, Betty started having weird dreams and Barney started experiencing like severe ulcers, uh, which and, and both of these conditions did not stop. They didn't remember anything that had passed that had happened during their sort of absence of, of consciousness during those two hours hours but they knew something happened and so they wanted to figure out what so they sought out the help of a psychiatrist who specialized in uh, hypnosis red flag right named Dr. Benjamin Simon. Mm -hmm. And it's in these hypnosis sessions that the classic elements of a UFO abduction story starts to unfold for the very first time. So there are, this is interesting, there are still recordings of some of these hypnosis sessions still available to to listen to online. And some of them are pretty upsetting. The the most upsetting one, I think, is with Barney on uh, February 22nd, 1964. Who is uh, clearly in distress when he recounts the tale of uh, of their encounter. Now that date if you paid attention. Might sound a little suspicious, but we'll get there. Sorry, can you hear me again? February 22nd, 1964. I'm probably overthinking it, but interesting. Focus focus more on the year than the actual date.
0: Okay, okay.
1: So it'll say, we'll get there, we'll get there. During this specific session, details of the event sort of start to unfold from their Because, again, the reason they're doing this, right, is they're trying to figure out what happened. They don't have any memories of, of what happened. So these hypnosis sessions are supposed to bring bring out sort of like repressed memories or something from the flag. Right? Okay. Yep. (laughs) We're going to put a pin in all of this. Okay. But yeah, so the details start to sort of come out of both of Barney and Betty. And it's important to note that they were interviewed. They they did these hypnosis sessions separately. So neither one of them was in the room with the other one when they were happening. So they both sort of told similar but different stories of the events. Different details stand out to, to each person. So for example, Barney They both sort of said that they were taken aboard the spacecraft by the alien beings. They were put on uh, tables in what appeared to be some sort of examination room. These beings with the baseball caps took samples of their hair, their nails, and their skin, and they had like... Large needles placed into each one of their limbs with like tubes connecting to them as if they were either the aliens were like pumping them full of something or extracting something from them. I mean, basically, Barney and Betty were just science experiments to these to these aliens. Betty claims that the largest needle was inserted into her abdomen, which was the most painful Ooh. part. And yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, don't like that at all. But apparently the aliens loved it. That was like their most exciting part. When they did that, they were like really- I get so happy when I get to do the abdomen needle. That's my favorite part is the ab, is the ab needle. I love that bit. That, like that's genuinely a, a detail that she mentioned
0: was that like it was so painful for her, but the aliens were like really enthused about it. That is wild. So like it's really like they're painting a picture of like aliens that have favorite medical procedures they like doing and also yeah. just are dressed like frat boys. Yeah, right? Uh, Betty also claims that she talked one-on-one with the
1: leader of the aliens and like I guess the alien could translate and speak English or something Um, I think Barney had the detail that the aliens could communicate like telepathically I don't know if Betty had said that but like there was even a part where like the alien tried to tell them where they tried to tell Betty where they were from and like Betty tried to draw it on a map like in real life to be like this is the star system I don't know if that ever came to anything I don't I can't imagine it did but basically It's, you know, that's the story. They were alien experiments. And it, it's an experiment that lasted two hours. The aliens placed them back down, apparently thirty-five miles away from their car. I don't know. The aliens can the aliens can traverse throughout outer space, but they like really mess it up on like the. All right, where did they park their car? If mean, um, you ever try to find here? a parked
0: car, it can be rough sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's like it would take over a day to walk that.
1: Yeah, thirty-five miles away from their house is what they said. Uh, or not their house, their car. How would they even find their car again? I guess it would have to be just like one big winding road for 35 miles and they just follow that back to their car maybe
0: 35 miles is like literally over the horizon like let me see actually how long would it take to
1: walk 35 miles? I, am, I did 235 miles. That's not what I wanted. Um, a calc- Ooh, a calculator for this. Okay. So you can walk 35... No, this isn't helping me. It's Tell a, me what I need. It's at least like a good day. Here we go. 35, 30 to 40 miles will take you uh, at a moderate pace. A moderate at a pace, will take pace. You, at a medium pace could take you anywhere between 12 12- or ten to thirteen hours.
0: Yeah, cheese.
1: That's a lot. Uh, if they were booking it, they could do it. If they were booking it the whole time, a brisk pace could be like seven ten hours. That's like a full day's walk there. Yeah, that's
0: weird that that never gets mentioned. That they they seem to just make their way back to their house. What do you think they talk about? Like after you get abducted by aliens and you, ha- or in their case, they have no memories, so they're just walking. They have no memory.
1: Yeah. They just time... spend an
0: entire day talking about when They're trying to
1: find their car again. Well, and they lost two hours so add two hours to how long it would take to walk back to their car then drive back so plus that all but, the time but, to find their car like can you imagine find
0: finding it, like, yeah. like being that far like unless you like knew exactly where the car is it would be yeah like i could get 35 feet but 35 it miles says is miles Jeez.
1: yeah that's that is wild i didn't think about that they never talk about that they all the stories just are sort of just like anyway so then they get back to their car and they drive home and it's like, no, that would be like a whole ordeal. That would be a multi-day process. You know, they'd
0: have to, like, stop at Denny's partway through. They had no money.
1: So anyway, all of this stuff comes out during those hypnosis sessions, which we will talk more about later. As you can see, I'm putting pins in everything. I just want to tell their story first before we we start. I don't want to necessarily pick it apart, but we're going to talk about some alternate, alternative theories and speculations here. Um, but it is important to note that... By most accounts, the Hills, they didn't seem like they would be attention-seeking people, like, for this story, um, like, for this story specifically, right? As I mentioned, this happened in 1961, and they didn't see a therapist, they didn't see that psychiatrist until 1964, so this was like three years later of just like living with this. They didn't like immediately come out and be like, "Look what happened to me." They like sat on this for years. Not only that, right? I mean, they they definitely told like close friends and family and stuff, but like they they didn't get public with it for for a while. And part of the reason is, as I mentioned, they were a, an interracial couple during the 60s. Uh-huh. So it's not like they needed to go looking for attention. Like attention found them. You you know what i mean like they were it was they were a couple who you know everyone was already looking at them and are already judging them and, and 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 not only that um you know barney was appointed to the US civil rights commission his politics was like a, a huge part he wanted that uh, a really long career in in politics but as we'll see like as soon as the story did break his political career did take a hit that ne- that it could never recover from and that all started because they did eventually make some kind of public statement at their church of all places that was the first time they came out about it publicly and at first everyone you know was pretty supportive about it they were just like, okay, they're supportive, they're receptive, they're just hearing them out. But as you can imagine, um, once stories get out there, once it spreads, you know, people are going to embellish stuff, people are going to start judging the circumstances. Everything just started getting worse for the Hills. And that—that that is when Barney's uh, political career started to go under and he never could recover it. So that's like an idea of like, these people wouldn't necessarily be seeking attention because as you can see, like it very clearly made it worse for their ambitions you know what i mean yeah newspapers started picking up the story and eventually an author named john fuller approached them to write a book about their experience called the interrupted journey Hmm. uh, that was also turned into a tv movie which was fairly popular starred james earl jones of Sandlot fame, as we talked about last episode. Yep. And obviously Star Wars, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Lion he, King. And Lion King, all of these things. And that book and movie and all of these, you know, newspaper articles, things like that, that is how their specific story became the template for so many others over the next 60 years.
0: Yeah, it's weird how every time, because this happened last week too, the second that the media makes a story popular, all of a sudden everybody else seems to have a similar story.
1: That's the thing. It's not only... It didn't just because obviously a lot of fictional uh, stuff came out of this like you know there was like X-Files uh, episodes that dealt with abduction you know there's a lot of like fictional stories that deal with these abduction stories but then there's also like real life people who are claiming very similar circumstances and again it, it all comes from this template that that they sort of laid out so I want to pick it apart a little bit if
0: that's cool with you you want to pick it apart that's what this show's all about
1: let's do it this I'm going to start with this because it it feels a little cruel so I want to Like, I want to, like, cut into this by saying, like, I'm not going to fully discredit the idea that they weren't seeking attention because again as we talked about like Barney had this political career that got thrown off because people thought he was you know a UFO conspiracy person now so it makes sense why they wouldn't want to seek attention but they also like I don't know it's it's hard and maybe I can get your thoughts on this but like I think it was fair to say that at first because again they did sit on this for a couple of years but once it did come out you know obviously they just they leaned into it right as, as I said they helped write a, uh, you know, co-author, like, a book about it. There was the movie. Barney appeared on the game show To Tell the Truths, which is that show, I think it's that show where you have, like, three people who are all claiming to be one person, and the, the contestants have to guess who's the real one. So it's like, you know, this person... I was abducted by UFOs. And then you have to, you know what I'm talking about? You know the show I'm talking about? No, but I'll roll with it. It's like, it's basically you have a real person. Stan Lee was on this show too. You have a real person and then you have two people who are Maybe not the that same person. Maybe it was the same episode. Who knows? So like for the Stan Lee one, you had these people uh, who are like trying to figure out which one of these three people actually is Stan Lee, right? And this was before Stan Lee was obviously like very recognizable. So they would all ask all these contestants questions. And then they'd try to figure out who's lying and who's who's actually Stan. It was a weird show. But I think it's been on in different iterations over the past couple decades. Anyway, mm. so, you know, went on TV, went on a game show about his abduction experience. Betty became a massive celebrity in the UFO space. Uh, yep. And it was only Betty, mostly because uh, Barney sadly died young at only 46. Uh. and But Betty went to tons of UFO conventions and really made a name for herself in that space. And it's at those conventions and over time that we start to see inconsistencies with her story start to creep in there, if you will. Yeah. Because originally, you know, this idea came from, you know, it felt like the hills were just at the wrong place at the wrong time, right? It could have happened to anybody who was there, you know? If you and I were driving at this time and at this place, it could have been us. But then as she started becoming this sort of celebrity in this space the story started changing and she started talking about like oh and then I was also visited by the aliens at this other time and the aliens told me this and it, it made it seem like she was trying to be like oh it wasn't just a random occurrence actually like I'm special you know what I mean Like yep. I'm the special alien I'm the special p- aliens like me and they keep visiting me and doing stuff with me
0: yeah and uh, you know if you are a celebrity and a space like that you got to keep making content people if you don't come out with something new then uh, you're just going to get forgotten about. Exactly. So it's like
1: you can tell the same story over and over again, but people have probably already read the book. They've seen the movie, you know, so you have to keep being like, oh, and then I was also visited by aliens this other time. And even to even in those spaces, in those alien conventions, those UFO conventions, because she kept going and because she kept making it seem like she was like special people, even then in those places started doubting her credibility
0: a bit, you know? Yeah, the the UFO people are like, I don't know. I I find this hard to believe.
1: <laughs> they, they, they drew a line some in the weirdest place possible.
0: Yeah, that's a strange. That's a strange story. Like, I'm I'm very curious about the dynamics there. Of um, especially if Barney like had these other ambitions, but then like almost got it sidetracked by telling this story. I I'm curious, and then like kind of picked up obviously as his political ambitions sort of started to peter out. I wonder what the state of his like, like if he like made the real go for it and then he failed and then sort of then became public with this or became public with it as like the story started to pick up or like as he, like. I mean,
1: like, I don't know. Like I said, he was appointed to the U.S. Civil Rights Commission. So like by all accounts, like his career was going pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There, there are accounts and I don't know how credible this is. There there are people who claim that, that like Barney is the reason why they kept it so close to their chest for so long. But Betty, on the other hand, is the reason for like, you know, because they didn't have to make an announcement to their church. They didn't have to go public with it. But someone suggested that they do and there yeah there are claims that like Betty was the one who was like overly eager to tell the story and go public with it and you can th- that's sort of reflected in this idea that she keep you know that she went to all these UFO conventions and like wanted to be a part of that space uh-huh. um, but I also know that a lot of media and storytelling and stuff like that can be a lot harsher on on women
0: so I don't want to necessarily say that that is the case but that is just a thought that's out there yeah also I could I could see a interpretation of this that's not necessarily nefarious in that sense like I think as we learned like when we were talking about the satanic panic several episodes ago that a lot of this like recovered memory hypnosis stuff is it it implants false memories and there are like there are entire families that got torn apart because and like people did like actual prison time for like childhood sexual assaults and stuff like that that they didn't commit um, because the people got like recovered these memories but like it didn't make the memory any less real right It, it just didn't actually happen and I could see that if they were getting involved with that. And also psychology was not super well understood back then that like they got the they had these memories and like uh like corroborate like they like started believing them and then as they believe them like the more that you sort of believe that you're the memories will sort of like reinforce on themselves and in further sessions of recovery you would be building up on that and eventually you have like an entire like reality that's created around yourself that you legitimately believe and it could be that Barney like legitimately believed some of these things and just yeah spoke out because he felt like it was an important thing to do despite the fact that he hit like yeah. Uh, even though like you know it's just the fact that like our brains are basically play-doh and um we can't really be trusted to uh remember anything and um especially in a state like hypnosis like there like, even though hypnosis is kind of it's got some like it's not very scientific but like sure there are ways to with like meditation and stuff like that put people in a sort of suggestible state where you can get people to recall things that never happened. And Absolutely. it could
1: happen with these people. Well, you are right on top of, you are right on the money of what I was going to mention next. So this is, this is what you're talking about is exactly sort of the counterpoint that a lot of people point to. You know, and we talk about the the fallibility of, of memory a lot on this on this show and what you'll see as, you know, Betty continued telling this this story. And again, we have recordings, so we know sort of what their initial recounting of, of these memories are. But, y- you know, originally these aliens wore clothes right? Baseball Full, caps. Fully clothed. They had the baseball caps, obviously. They had hair and they very even specifically had noses. But as the story kept being told over decades and decades, all of those details started fading away and like smoothing out both like literally and figuratively to the point where the aliens became hairless, naked, smooth grays. And that's sort of, that. that's part of where that idea comes from. It's like all these details of the aliens starting to disappear and they just become like gray nothings. And- as you were talking about the memories and the hypnosis, the original idea behind this encounter is they had no memory, right? They just lost time and they were far away from their car, inexplicably far away from their car. Yeah. Um, absurdly far away. And they had no idea what happened. And it was this these hypnosis sessions that sort of brought out these memories. And when when you're trying to recover some sort of like repressed memories, there's a chance that you'll mix in. Uh, it's very likely that you're going to mix in some other experiences. Memories are going to mush together. Yeah, remember We've the talked Roswell about this a episode
0: lot? Uh, where exactly. they interviewed one of the guys who was there who basically took memories of like, you know, three or four different incidents that happened while he was working at Roswell and they sort of mashed together. Like the guy with the really big head and uh, the yeah. people who had been burned up in an accident and like all that stuff kind of got yeah. meshed into this alien autopsy narrative. Yeah. And so when you take that in, into consideration,
1: you have to remember Barney was a World War II vet. Who, who knew of the experience, and even the, the whole world knew. Not just Barney, but Betty, you know? They all, the whole world knew of the, you know, inhumane human experiments that the Nazis were doing on people. And you start mushing those ideas together, especially Barney, we talked about it in the last episode of this podcast the way that like PTSD can really you know it has these I I talk about you know earlier the the hypnosis session with Barney is very specifically upsetting because you can tell he's extremely emotional and it really does feel like he's going through and like he's reliving what to him are, are very real memories and it could just be a lot of mixing up, you know, traumatic experiences from his time in the war with these, you know, this sort of alien. He like, I'm sorry, I'm like, I'm like not finishing sentences, but like this, this seems so likely to me because he very specifically even referred to one of the aliens as resembling a Nazi in his hypnosis session. So like, to me, it, it feels very much like he is taking his like uh traumatic memories and experiences from the war and putting them into this new context of of aliens, potentially.
0: Yeah, I can I can actually see a lot of like, because we talk about like how a lot of, um, like a lot of our perceptions of what UFOs are and what they're doing comes from like cultural anxieties. And in the late 1940s, I think one of the cultural anxieties was the fact that there was this regime that did basically uh, dehumanize human beings to the point where they were just like uh, murdered in an assembly line industrial fashion and like used for, like used like lab rats in like horrific medical experiments and stuff like that and like that's like it, this is like what was the year again 47 for the oh, no, for this 64 event? 64 right this was the 61 is when it happened 64 is when the so 61 hypnosis sessions so the world is still like like if you think about it like that would be like for today um it would be like if you were to compare it to our time it's like how it's like nine eleven. It's I was gonna about, say it's almost the 9/11. exact amount of it's almost the exact amount of time, yeah. And so, um, even a little bit uh less. Um, but uh, or a little bit more, but not much. Uh so like nine eleven, like, you know, there are still aspects of like us working I, my PhD research was on this about how we are still working through nine eleven socially in various different small ways. And so like the the, the cultural idea in there, like in the nineteen sixties, psychology was obsessed with this idea of like how do you get a society to that point like the famous um like the Stanford prison experiment and like the um the other experiment that was done where like they were pretending to electrocute people both of them actually have a lot of problems with them to show that their conclusions were not nearly as found as they were because they had this whole idea that people are generally prone to authoritarianism but it's mostly because um in the case of the prison experiment they were like kind of nudged the prison guards were nudged to be more cruel they weren't just like naturally cruel and um There were a lot of people who said, no, I'm not going to shock this person. They're obviously in distress. But... That's that's besides the point. Um, but like that is just showing that that's an idea that is in space and in space. But it's idea that's sort of floating around at that point. And especially as somebody who is a black civil rights activist, like yeah, they they, especially in like the early sixties, because that's when like the civil rights movement is getting at like at its most violent. That's when like there's like like if you ever read like uh Ann Moody's book, um, her experience in the civil rights movement, like showing like her having to like run out of buildings in the middle of the night because they found out that like the clan was going to go and burn down the building because they were civil rights activists like that like, yeah. the 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 sort of like trying to grapple with man's inhumanity to man as like the old term would say but like the idea of dehumanizing people in such a fashion would probably be, uh would be a huge deal and especially somebody who's then also carrying world war ii ptsd around with them and also would have been fighting in a segregated military like that all of those things together i could imagine if you like you know, associated with, you know, you yeah. put a little bit of dream logic in there and you, you know, do whatever like it is that people do with hypnosis, which, you know, I imagine can prod in some very uncomfortable places would result in, no no joke intended there, but um like, yeah would result in another extremely elaborate and obviously from the recordings, from the way you describe it, a traumatic episode, which can then, you know, built upon itself.
1: And that, I mean, and that's just Barney. I mean, we're, when you're talking about the cultural context and the, and the cultural sort of anxieties of the time, we can also look at, you know, Know, what Betty might have been experiencing and, and having conversations about, which would be, you know, reproductive rights, was it was a was a big conversation there. And so we look at her experience about having this big needle stuck in her abdomen while the powerful aliens over her, are, like, really enthusiastic about being able to, you know, do something with. with with her body in her body without her consent without her control without her any sort of autonomy and you can definitely see again the the sort of anxieties there of of what she could have been
0: you know projecting into this into this experience, plus like I imagine the ex- the experience of growing up in a sort of like white American culture, and then seeing firsthand by being married to a black man, seeing like what uh-huh. like just how uh, distant and how like cruel people. Like yeah, there's 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 a lot of there's there's a potential anyways for a lot of really hard feelings that are difficult to speak about and really like um like really work their way through. And you mix hypnosis into that where they can implant all sorts of wacky ideas, and you. Yeah, man, this got real sad. It's the part where Scott makes me sad.
1: Well, here's the thing, too. I mean, we keep talking about how they were they a biracial couple during the civil rights movement. There, there's a, there's a slight, a slight, maybe positive spin on their alien story, which is Go that for the it, al- Scott. The the aliens didn't seem to discriminate <laughs> between them, right? They experiment the equally. A- Equal
0: opportunity experimenters. The,
1: they experiment equally. They're all human. So the aliens are woke is what I'm saying. Um they're the aliens woke Aliens are a Mary
0: Sue. They're a Star Wars. Yep. Um,
1: <laughs> but that's I mean that's sort of the that that's the story. That's where it all comes from is is this specific couple and their experience. And, uh, I don't believe, I mean, I know Barney's not around anymore. I don't believe Betty's alive either, but she would be very, very old, very, very old. But that's sort of where this, this whole idea comes from. And I think it's really interesting that we can trace it back to like a specific date and a specific, uh, group of people and Betty Hill died in 2004. There you go. So there are specific, I, you know, I think there are specific, uh, alternate explanations, but I'll, I mean, I don't know. Did I convince you anything? What do you think? I'm the person who's
0: supposed to maybe debunk stuff or at least explain stuff further it's a or big is, where, what do you think it's a it's a big complicated thing and also like because like it does seem like they very earnestly believed in these things yeah and 100%. that makes things rough man ah, oh, that's such the, the the story of um of barney dying in like 1969 and her dying in 2004 that's so sad wait when did he hold on did he was he alive enough to see Um, to see America land on the moon I don't know I'm just looking I just found their tombstone gotcha um, but yeah like I think that like it's it's a really it's a messy combination of like they're almost like a living encapsulation of everything that represents like mid century America like (laughs) an interracial couple during the peak of the civil rights movement both activists a a woman during like the uh, the real like beginning of the um, the women's liberation movement and the sort of you know just the beginnings of second wave feminism in the early 60s yeah furthermore a uh sort of alien fear that's uh kind of at this crossroads really in the way that they talk about it, at this crossroads between the sort of um shock of the second world war and the uh growing you know fear of the other that comes from the cold war where a lot Mm -hmm. of like ufo kind of paranoia starts to develop and yeah like just what like a what a fascinating example of like all of the sort of the importance of context and contextual things in understanding how somebody could then come up with a story like that. And then, yeah, and then also like as it could be that uh, like, you know, as the story started to pick up, then, yeah, then maybe, maybe she started making up stuff for like, you know, because, you know, if you, if you dedicated your entire life and the thing that you're known for is being a UFO crank, then you know that as, as, as creators yourself, you know, like, there's no step after that. Um, you no, got to kind of keep adding to w- it.
1: Once that can of worms is open, you're, you're in there for good. And again, I'm not even saying that there's nefarious as you were saying I don't even think there's nefarious stuff behind it I think that's just how memories work the more that you talk about it the more that you relive it the more stuff is going to change that's just mm-hmm. sort of
0: naturally uh, naturally how it is especially if you're motivated to like if you were a UFO celebrity then and you uh, found yourself like you know uh, your story running out of juice then yeah you're like all the motivations would be in place to remember new things especially if you believe in something like hypnosis being able to drum up for uh, if you believe that you have memories that like the right hypnosis can unearth. You can start inserting all sorts of stuff, and not even consciously. And if you have a, if you have an alien story
1: of your own, uh, you can tell us uh, on on Twitter and Instagram at ProbsNotAliens. Ooh, why not? Yeah, I just want to know what you all think. We have a great community online. Let me know what you think of this episode. I thought it was really really interesting to research. I, I like being able to very occasionally get to flip the script and be the one who knows things. Yeah. But this was a lot of fun. Go follow us online. And Tristan, where can people find you online?
0: Uh, I have a YouTube channel called Step Back. Uh, and on that channel, I uh, talk about, I'm going to use that thing from last time. It's where I use the past to talk about the present so that we can understand the future. That's, I'm, 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 yeah. I'm set on that one. Um, that's a good one. And so, yeah, that's the thing. My latest video, if you're listening to this now, this is probably early February. So I would say yeah. the video on history, uh, the long history of transgender people. It's very fun. It seems to be getting a very positive reception. Scott, yes. If I needed to get a reality check about the real- the, the TV show known as... Uh, you know what? If I were to get... If I were to need a reality check about the the state of Warner Brothers Animation Department, where would I go for that sort of oh my gosh. riveting Scooby-Doo-related content and Warner Brothers... Gosh, just Google it. There's so much going on. But if
1: you want to hear my thoughts, uh, you can go to my YouTube channel called NerdSync. N-E-R-D-S-Y-N-C. I make a lot of videos about Scooby-Doo recently. In fact, I had an idea... The other last night, it hit me that someone mentioned an amusement park around where I live called uh, King's Dominion. And they were like, oh, we should go on this. They have a great ride called Boo Blasters. And I was like, oh, yeah, they have a Boo Blasters ride at in the, in the place that I grew up, uh, South Carolina, at another theme park called Carowinds. But that's that was Scooby-Doo Boo-Blasters. How come the other one is not also themed as boo Bla- As Scooby-Doo Boo-Blasters? I come to learn. Say that 10 times fast. Scooby-Doo Boo-Blaster. Yeah, I come to learn that like 10 no, was it 13 years ago or something like that? They all rebranded. They took the Scooby-Doo branding away, so it's now Boo-Blasters on Boo Hill or something like that. And I had no idea for I cuz I have I guess I haven't been to Carowinds in like over a decade. So I am now sad and I'm planning on making a video about this terrible news that's 13 years too late. It's not news at all, but uh, I don't know. I just like talking about Scooby-Doo stuff. So if you like that, go check it out, Sync. And thank you to everyone who writes reviews of this uh, podcast on Apple Podcasts and other places. And uh, you can, you know, just tell your friends about the show. Mm-hmm. Tell your friends. We like it uh, we do. when you do that. And the best place the best place you can send people is probsnotaliens.com. Yep. That has that's a website that, that is, we have. Ten, that's that, a website. Whether um... That's a website. <laughs> <laughs> the website that we have that has all of our links on it. Yep. Um, so uh,
0: until next time though friends, I'm Tristan Johnson and I'm Scott Nicewander and the truth is out there. Probably. Oh man, there's a there's an untapped well of of you doing probablys. I know. I've got ideas. We're gonna go places, probably with probablys. We're gonna go places.